0: Hello, hello and welcome to another episode of Overpowering Emotions where I talk all things anxiety, big emotions, emotion regulation. I've been working through the whole back to school series even though, you know, we're deep into November now. Um at the time of this recording anyways. There's so many different things I want to talk about. I I was debating whether or not to talk about this, but I really do think it's important because it becomes a question I've been getting a lot from. I've been doing a lot of school presentations just around anxiety. How do we help students be resilient and manage this anxiety in the classroom? And one of the things that I do is go through IPPs and some of the things that we need to look at when we're doing our IPPs or LSPs or 504s um, and the strategies that we, we put into place when we're supporting our anxious students so it's really important to um, and I've been reading a lot of psychoeducational assessments that are coming through all of the reports and it drives me bonkers when I see a whole section of accommodations for anxiety in those IPPs with strategies that aren't actually strategies at all it's all about accommodating the anxiety really they're allowing kiddos to escape from that anxiety And, you know, this is a big problem. If you've heard me talk, I'm always talking about this. And like I said, I'm consulting with more and more schools, um, learning supports, um, school psychologists, and a lot of the school psychologists they've seen, you know, past reports, past IPPs that kiddos have, and they're, they're seeing how these accommodations with some of their students year after year have now created a whole monster, a whole host of problems where kids, it's not just, they're not putting up their hands anymore. They're not just not presenting in front of their class anymore. They're not doing any work at all. They're not writing any tests at all. And for some they're going, they're, they're refusing to go to school at all completely. So it starts small, right? It starts small with those small accommodations, like don't call on them in class, don't make them put up their hand. Don't make them participate in, in the classroom discussions. Uh, let them take their homework home or their it, the work that's meant to be done in class. Let them take it home to complete. Let them be excused from certain classes or from certain activities, uh, from tests. It's a very, very slippery slope. And it starts with one seemingly small accommodation that just snowballs into this bigger problem later on accommodations are very enabling actually in the anxiety world accommodation is a synonym for enabling <laughs> we're making kiddos anxiety worse we're giving in to anxiety we're doing what anxiety wants we're making kids feel better right they want that comfort they want that predictability so we're giving them predictability we're giving them that comfort and we're letting them avoid rather than build skills and by letting them feel um y- you know if we don't let them feel, sorry, that discomfort and, and learning to tolerate that discomfort and tolerating the uncertainty of not knowing how did I do or if there's a fire bell or anything like that, they're never going to learn to manage that anxiety effectively. They have to be able to tolerate it and feel and, and, and cope with all of those big emotions Now, when we look at uh, some of the accommodations that I'm seeing, there's usually two types of accommodation behaviors that we adults are engaging in and that I'm seeing on the IPPs. One is we're participating in the anxiety-related behaviors with them or for them. So we might agree to check their, their work, their homework before they hand it in, or their essay before they hand it in just to make sure they're going to do well, right? Um, we allow them, like I said, to avoid a class or to step out if they're feeling anxious. We're reassuring them everything's going to be okay. You know, you've got a substitute. She knows exactly what you need and what your routine is. Everything's going to be good. Um, maybe we're checking things, like I said, you know, that their work is perfect, but maybe, you know, at home things that, that we commonly do is making sure there's no monsters under the bed, but maybe at school we're walking them to the bathroom. And making sure the bathroom's safe for them to go to, right? We're doing those checking things. Anything we do to make those students feel better means we're participating in anxiety. Or the second behavior is we're modifying things to prevent the anxiety provoking situation in the first place. We're also doing anxiety for the student when we're doing that. So those accommodations, they feel good in the moment, but it actually makes anxiety worse over time. We see that the anxiety is more impairing and more severe and and poor treatment outcomes whenever we're using those accommodations. And that's not what we're going for. We actually want to help them cope with skills, right? So what we need to think about is what are the strategies that we have in place? Anything done in the service of avoiding that's enabling anxiety, especially if we're not teaching a skill. There's no skill building happening. There's no tolerance happening. There's no stretching, being able to feel and manage that discomfort. If none of that's happening, we're not actually helping support this kiddo at all. So whenever we're adjusting routines, whenever we're adjusting schedules or transitions to help the student feel more comfortable, you know, especially if there's no weaning off plan and no skill building, that's a huge problem. So, again, remember, anxiety wants certainty and it wants comfort. And and, and our accommodations are giving our kiddos exactly that, which is just going to make anxiety stronger, but even more permanent, right? Anything we do to help them avoid feeling anxious, to reduce those feelings of anxiety, we're just maintaining that anxiety, And so we fall into that trap all the time because kiddos are getting momentary relief. And then we're like, oh, aren't we so great? They're feeling better now, right? But it's a very reactive strategy because we're taking away their ability to to self-soothe themselves and to problem solve the situation and to cope themselves, right? And so that's why we're making that anxiety worse long-term and we're ingraining that anxiety. Now, a lot of the consultations that I I do, I do regular consultations with other professionals and and with teachers, um, with parents all the time. And the biggest question that I get week after week is, I just want to check, is this an accommodation? Am I accommodating? So examples of some of the accommodations, like I've talked about, excusing them from class, trying to distract them right? With little kids that works, you know, if you've got a little guy who's still in preschool and they're anxious, you can easily distract them, but that's not going to work over time. You know, as adults, if we try to distract ourselves, our amygdala is still going, right? Our emotional brain is still going. So we're not actually able to engage in whatever we're trying to distract ourselves with. Um, maybe we're giving them alternative places to, to work or to eat, right? Maybe they don't have to go out onto the recess playground with all of their kids, um, making sure they always know when the fire alarm is any pre warnings we're giving them all of that predictability anxiety can't be avoided we all get stressed out there's always things that make us feel anxious putting up our hand in class can be anxiety provoking for a lot of kiddos right? Or not being able to say what they've got to say. It can be really anxiety provoking. Going up in front of the class, of course, that's anxiety provoking. And and I know as adults, it's hard because we want to help our students. We want to help them get out of scary situations. We want to help them make them feel better. Parents themselves, they're actually pre-wired. They've got hardwiring in their brain to protect their kids, right? And so they want their kids to feel better. That's just innate in us but that protect that protection it's crippling if they're swooping in in any situation in any situation specifically that's not life-threatening so if they're about to get hit by a car yes we're going to swoop in and make sure that we grab them out of safety that's not the time to to let them learn from natural consequences oh you should look both ways we are going to swoop in but if it's not life-threatening we are robbing them of that important opportunity to build their problem-solving brain, to, to be able to build that tolerance. So trying to make sure that everything goes exactly as planned and that everyone's feeling exactly calm, that's not gonna be helpful. And again, I can't stress this enough, right? They might feel better in the moment, we might feel better in the moment, but we're actually making that anxiety worse because they're never learning to handle anything on their own. They need to learn to cope with with whatever life throws them. They need to learn how to manage disappointment, how to manage heartbreak, how to manage failure. Us jumping in all the time and trying to make them feel better. It's just reinforcing the worry. And we're saying, see, this is something big deal. This is a big deal, right? Because I need to come in and comfort. And you can't do it on your own. So then they start relying on us to make them feel better. We're creating this dependency trap, and that's just reinforcing that anxiety, right? And the behavior, because we're just sending that message you can't handle it. See, you need me. I need to swoop in and help you. I need to swoop in and make you feel better because you can't do it on your own. And that's exactly what anxiety is telling them, anyways. Anxiety is the message that I can't handle it, whatever it is. They already feel like they can't handle it. That's what anxiety wants them to believe, and they do believe it. And so now we're reinforcing that story. And so they're remaining dependent on us to problem solve for them, to make them feel better all the time. So, yes, they might feel better now, but next time they're going to need us to help them feel better again. Right. And when they don't feel that they can do it, they're always going to take the easy way. They're never going to take risks. They're no- never going to try new or hard things. They're never going to attempt anything where they might fail, or where they might make a mistake, but that's exactly where learning and growing and developing happens. So we're limiting their development. We're impairing their learning. We're crippling their confidence because they've never had the opportunity to handle it themselves. So we're ingraining that anxiety because all of those coping and problem-solving connections in the brain, they're not being made because we're always coming in to do it for them right? And so we're actually making our kiddos even more vulnerable because they don't have the opportunities that I can cope, that this is manageable, right? That I am going to survive. And so when they don't have any of those opportunities, their confidence, their determination, their resilience, they're all stunted. And so when we're looking at IPPs, IEPs, LSPs, 504 plans, we got to look at, are we accommodating anxiety? Are we allowing them to avoid anxiety? Are we trying to make them feel better? Are we modifying things so that they feel better? Are we doing those things? What we need to focus on are what skills are being developed? Are we helping them to learn to cope with the physical symptoms that comes along with anxiety? Or are we doing everything that we can so that they never feel uncomfortable ever? That's going to be a problem because what happens when they feel anxious going to their first job interview? They've never had the opportunity to feel nervous. They have to speak up in that situation, right? So we got to be really careful. So a strong IPP, it really emphasizes those skills how are we building skills specifically in the classroom at the point of performance where they're having problems? That's where kids need to use those skills. Skills, And so we need to expect all kids to be able to put up their hands, to ask for help, to be able to present, to be able to work with other people, to be able to write a test, right? So we need to be thinking of that when we're creating these plans too, we want to make sure that everyone's using the same language and that we're all responding to anxiety the exact same way when it shows up. So all of us, and I've talked a lot about how we respond effectively, but we want to have that support and validation on the one hand that we're acknowledging that they feel anxious. Of course, you feel anxious. That makes sense that you're worried. Wow. That Loki brain is really trying to freak you out today. Right? Wow, no wonder you feel like you've got a tummy ache. Loki's really trying to make you freak out about doing well for this presentation. That makes sense. So support and validation on the one hand, but confidence on the other hand. So kiddo, how are you gonna work through this? What are you gonna do to get up there and do your presentation? So we're putting the ball back in their court so that they can problem solve, so that they can cope. Now, I usually avoid anything that involves leaving the class right who wouldn't want to go sit with mrs k all day in her nice cozy beanbag chairs with all of these cool sensory toys right super nurturing adult who's totally there just to listen and say jokes to me right we're going to just going to create a behavior problem it's going to start as anxiety but we're going to create this behavior problem and then they're never going to learn the skills that they need they're never going to learn to cope and and you know so we got to look at what are the skills there, right? We can't just simply let them avoid and and walk off whenever something gets hard for them. So similarly, I avoid any sort of pickup plans too, right? Because kids are always gonna take that route if they know it's an option. So if parents say, hey, kiddo, why don't you just go to school for the morning and then I'll pick you up? You can just call me anytime. They're always gonna take that option, right? So I tell parents, turn off your phones during the day so you don't get lost in the text, I'm dying. I'm literally dying. You need to come pick me up. I'm having a panic attack. I can't survive. I'm going to have to go to the hospital. Come pick me up. (laughs) Right. So, so what, what happens? I mean, I often misplace my phone or I'm busy with a client. I can't take my kids' calls or texts. They just know not to call mom. Right. There's usually other people if they really need to call if there's an emergency. So we're not going to take them. You're busy and you can emphasize later. Oh, man. Sorry, kiddo. Like I saw this missed call. I saw these texts. I was in meetings all day. Sounds like you're pretty stressed. But wow, look, it's the end of the day. How did you get through the day? what did you do to make it through? I didn't do anything. They might freak out. I didn't do anything I Had a panic attack all day, but they were able to cope. And so being able to reinforce a dude, you are able to manage having a panic attack all day long, and you still manage to get yourself home at the end of the day. Right. So we're going to be able to validate, but that confidence, um, and, 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 and to avoid that reassurance that everything's going to be okay. Because again, Anxiety wants comfort and certainty. So when we're doing it and we're giving it exactly what it wants, and telling them everything that's going to happen, every minute of the day, who's going to be there, when the fire bell is going to be, when the you know whatever, um, exactly what to expect, anxiety wants that certainty. And so they're always they're going to get more and more rigid, always wanting that. The only way that kids are ever going to learn to manage that anxiety and to learn to cope is when they can learn to tolerate that uncertainty tolerate the discomfort that comes with uncertainty if you never give them the opportunity to not know what's going to happen they're always going to be dependent on you to make them feel better which is unrealistic and they're always going to be dependent on knowing exactly what's going to happen which is also unrealistic life doesn't work that way and i know it's hard because we want to make kids feel better These are lifelong skills that they need to learn now. And it's going to cost you more tomorrow. I'm always saying this. It's going to cost you more more tomorrow than it is today. They need to learn them today. So any attempt, think about it. And it's as you go through your day, whether you're a parent or an educator or another mental health professional, are you trying to make these kids feel better? Are you trying to make sure they're avoiding any uncomfortable feeling? that's very crippling for them. They're gonna be more anxious. They're gonna be more dependent. And that anxiety is strengthened through avoidant behavior, through reassurance seeking. And so we're rewarding those behaviors, which are only gonna get worse. So that was my little plug on IPPs. I think that that's really important is just looking at, are we only allowing them to avoid or trying to make them feel better? We got to start shifting towards how do we start building on skills? How do we start getting them to stretch beyond their comfort zones? And it could even be little things like using a big word in your story that you don't know how to spell. Anxiety can come up in really subtle ways. And I've had this happen. The example that I give, I was working with a gifted student. So vocabulary IQ, his verbal comprehension IQ is 148. Huge vocabulary knowledge. It was incredible. But then when he was coming to write, he, he you know was saying, "Hey, Caroline, how do you spell elephant?" I'm like, oh, bud, sorry, I can't I can't spell help you with spelling. just do your best. And then I got a one little sentence about a cat. And I'm like, dude, I thought you're going to write a story about an elephant. Yeah, well, I didn't know how to spell it. So really overly simplistic sentence, not even a full story, because he didn't want to make a mistake. He didn't want to stretch. And so that's a way it can start settling in. And perfectionism is a big one, right? Where anxiety really gets in the way. Go back to my perfectionist episodes, which weren't too terribly long ago, because that's definitely something that we want to work on, but it can show up in really subtle ways. So we want to make sure that we're challenging challenging them every day, working on something hard, learning from our mistakes. I often tell teachers in schools, have a mistake of the day wall where you're celebrating the mistakes. You write down on a sticky, what was your mistake and what did you learn? And we're going to celebrate that. We're going to go put it on the wall and we're going to celebrate that. And that's something you can do at home as well. We want them to see the value. We can talk about failure and we can talk about the importance of making mistakes, but we actually got to do it and show it in our environment. And then making sure that you make it a rule that they do something hard every single day. Persisting with tasks. This is an important skill right? Even though I'm anxious, I got to get started on something that might be hard. I need to be able to learn the skill to persist with something, even if it's hard. I need to learn the skill of being able to ask for help. If I run into a problem, not to do it for me and to make me feel better, but to be able to, to just to see what's my next step, for example. So it's looking at what are the skills that this child needs? There's lots of different skills, which I will be talking about at some point in the future episodes, but those are the things that we want to start working on. So I will leave it there for today. Go and help those kiddos be bold and courageous. And I will see you next time.